Now it's 1120. In case you're wondering, I'm going to preach. In case you're wondering, I believe the Lord has directed and guided this time today. I believe this message is a message for every soul. And I believe the Lord will speak if you're willing to listen. Psalms chapter 130, if you'll turn there. After we're done reading the scripture and praying, if you'd like to keep your electronic device open there or your Bible open there, I would appreciate it. When you get to Psalms 130, would all of you stand on your feet if you would, out of reverence to the Word of God? Beginning at verse 1, out of the depths have I cried unto thee, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let thine ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications. If thou, Lord, shouldest mark iniquities, O Lord, who shall stand? But there is forgiveness with thee, that thou mayest be feared. I wait for the Lord, my soul does wait, and in his word do I hope. My soul waiteth for the Lord more than they that watch for the morning. I say more than they that watch for the morning. Let Israel hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is mercy, and with him is plenteous redemption. And he shall redeem Israel from all his iniquities. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, we bless you. We thank you. We praise you for your goodness and your mercy and your grace. Thank you for what you've already done in this service. If nothing else took place from this moment forward, we could leave here saying, truly, we've been in the presence of the Lord. But I believe today there is a word that you want to share with us. And if every single heart is open, and receptive, we will receive that which the Spirit wants to say to the church. Thank you, Lord, for giving us this privilege and opportunity to be here today. And we bless your name in Jesus' name. And the church said, Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Forgive and forget. I think we can all agree that the depravity of society seems to be at an all-time low. Evil is running rampant on so many fronts. Every time we think that we've reached a certain level of depravity, something else transpires and leaves us shaking our head. Violent crimes are at record highs across our land. The moral compass for marriage and family seems to be eroding more and more every day. There seems to be such a blatant disregard for the sacred institution of marriage and family. 
This whole idea that if you don't like the person God created you to be, just change your sexuality. And so it is happening, one, as a fad. And it is happening, two, in actuality. People literally going through mutilation to transition from one sexuality to another. These are just a few examples, and there's so much more that I could say, but you get the gist. Society is depraved for sure, and yet it's no more depraved than it always has been. God flooded the whole earth because of the worldwide wickedness of man. God burned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah for their wickedness that included homosexuality, among other immoral behaviors. In our free America, the practice of sin is more open, more defiant, more emboldened, and without remorse. And multitudes, including many that attend church week in and week out, live with an assumption that God has winked at our sins and has turned and looked the other direction. But in Acts chapter 17, the Scripture says, God winked at our ignorance, but now commands men everywhere to repent. That's Bible. Know that sin is a part we were born with. There is none righteous, no, not one. Even if a person was born with a, quote, silver spoon in their mouth, they were still born in sin and with a sinful nature. And God does not turn away from our sin. God does not wink at man's rebellion. God is keeping a record for every single individual. That's why there is a need for forgiveness. What would it be like to stand before God, who has no beginning and has no ending, and have every single one of your sins exposed before Him, from beginning of your life until this moment? What a dreadful thought. For myself, personally, I shudder to think of that. But verse 3 of Psalms chapter 130 tells us that God is marking our sins, which means in the Hebrew to watch or observe as one that's in a watchtower who watches all things, never letting anything get by. To mark also means to keep in mind, to have, to store, to stock a record a memorial, to watch everything, to remember everything. God watches everything. God remembers everything. Envision with me this morning the Lord, the great creator, the supreme judge, seated on the judge's bench with a pen in his hand taking notes. Every sin marked down. 
nothing omitted of yours and of mine. No possibility to escape from deserved condemnation and damnation. The awful sentence for your sin-filled life, it must be pronounced because he is a God of justice and of God of righteousness. And the scripture even says, God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. There's some that believe that if they can run inside of a church sanctuary, they will escape somehow in their mind from the all-seeing eye of God Almighty. But friend, you are sadly mistaken. In fact, we can look in the book of Ezekiel chapter 9. And when God was about to pronounce judgment, he said in verse 6 that judgment is to begin at God's sanctuary. We read in 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 17 that the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. You can run into the sanctuary, but you can't escape the all-seeing eye of God Almighty. You can run to the ends of the earth, but you cannot escape the all-seeing eye of a holy God. He sees today, and he keeps a record today. And if judgment begins at the house of God, what is the end of those that are outside of the house of God? Can I just stop here? And I may, I may sidebar just a couple of times uh, this morning. But may I just state to you this morning that these pastors that are preaching a false gospel or a partial gospel, and they're not sharing the whole Bible rightly divided, there will come a day, because God is marking this down, where they will answer to a holy God who through the Holy Spirit moved upon men to pen the Holy Scripture. And the Bible tells us that anybody that adds to the Word of God or takes away from the Word of God, there is a curse pronounced upon them. The Bible tells us that His Word, the 66 blessed books of the Bible, are for eternity. Now, you and I are living in a church culture today, and large ministries we know are not sharing the whole gospel because because they want to keep things positive for their people. I positively want to make sure that you go to heaven. And that's why I positively have to preach the whole gospel of Jesus Christ. I was just reminded this week of a church that runs better than 20,000 people in our country down south that does not share anything from the Old Testament because they call it anecdotal and outdated and they will not preach or share anything from the Old Testament but the last time I checked from cover to cover from Genesis to Revelation it is the whole Bible rightly divided it is the God breathed God inspired word of the Lord I don't understand it all I don't uh, I, I, some of it leaves me with question marks but it doesn't change the fact that it is the immutable infallible word of the 
living God and the flower withers and the grass fades but the word of the Lord shall endure forever heaven and earth shall pass away but he said my word shall not pass away oh God help us to embrace the centrality and the wholeness of scripture in our lives and in our ministry we have a, a one within our own ranks in the church of God that preaches that a person is eternally secure. And what my concern is that we've given people a permission slip to sin freely without accountability to a holy God. But I want to say again, God is not blind. God is not mocked. Judgment will come and it will always begin at the house of Almighty God. So let me ask you this morning, is God marking iniquities about you? You say, well, pastor, what is iniquity? Iniquity is an act or a thing which is not equal with the righteousness of God, the holy and the pure Lord. Iniquity is inequity with God's holiness. And how do I know that I have iniquity or that I, was, that I came into this world with iniquity? Well, the scripture says you did. In Psalms chapter 51 and verse 5, it said, You were shaped in iniquity in your mother's womb. So when you came into this world, you may not have had one feature wrong about you. You know, I always get a kick out of these new people oohing and on over these newborn babies. I, I just say to myself, I don't see that as really cute. They're kind of interesting looking. You know, they just come out and everybody's, you know, they got a cute little hat on them and, and you're looking at them and, and their head's not shaped right yet and their body's not shaped right yet. You're going, and everybody's talking about how beautiful the baby is. Maybe it's beautiful by faith. Maybe it's anticipated beauty. Eventually, they kind of come into their own and they're, and they're beautiful little girl and handsome little boy. But here's the truth. When you were conceived in your mother's womb, you were shaped in iniquity. And when you came into this world, you were born into sin. You were born with a sinful nature. And so if you were born, and let me tell you something else, that word iniquity, that inequity with God, it's not getting any better. In fact, uh, Jesus said it was one of the end time signs. He said, because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. That inequity with the righteousness of God, it's becoming so commonplace that it, grace is cheapened and, and even those of us that maybe have strived for holiness before and purity before we're somehow deceived into believing that God has lightened up on his standards let me just sound the clarion call take much less stock in what man says and make sure you take stock in what God says through his holy word for that is the book that you and I will be judged by I was in my first church about King George, Virginia. My wife and I, probably our second year of full-time pastoring, had gone through quite a bit. But we had about 50 folks in the church. One Sunday morning, God laid a message on my heart about holiness. I'll never forget this. I prayed about it and I prepared and I sat there on the stage, and as I sat there on the stage, music was going, and we were worshiping and praising God and singing songs, and in walks a family of 10 
people. Now, 10 people walking into here may not get your attention for the first time. But 10 people walking in when you only got 50, that'll get your attention. And so I'm sitting there on the stage. This is, easy. This is the humanity of us preachers. I'm sitting there on the stage going, oh, no. God, you gave me a message on holiness. You gave me a message on living right. You give me a message on sanctification. And here I got this visiting family. This is 20% of my congregation walking right in the door looking for a church. And you've given me this kind of message. Did I miss it, Lord? The Holy Spirit said, nope. You preach what I gave you to preach. So I'm thinking to myself, okay, for sure. This is their first time visiting. I'll say hello to them. And after service, I'll never see them again. They'll find somewhere else where it's a little more warm and a little more friendly and, and maybe a little less judgmental. They'll find something. They'll find it where there's maybe a few more bells and whistles and, and, and a few more things that will be attracted to them. I went. I preached the message. And, and as I was finishing the service and altar service was over and at the end of the service, I said to these the to the matriarch of these uh, 10 people in her family. I said, well, it was nice to have you folks with us today. And this is what the matriarch of the family said. She said, praise God, pastor. We've been looking for a church that preaches the whole gospel that includes holy living. What am I trying to say by that? I'm trying to tell you there are still people out there in this community that are looking for the authentic. They could give a rip about the bells and whistles. They could give a rip about the streamers. They could even give a rip about the big days. What they want is somebody to tell them the truth from Genesis to Revelation because they realize they need the conviction of the Holy Spirit to live victorious in these last days. Oh God, help the church of God in Pulaski to always be an authentic church that stands by the real and whole word of the living God. righteousness is still the standard. His holiness will be satisfied. Pursue peace with all men, Hebrews says, and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Pretty simple. Pretty explanatory. Peace with man, holiness with God. We're shaped. Pastor, is there a solution? Is there a way? Someone here, even today, you feel filthy and dirty, maybe even useless. Some soul watching online feels guilty. Sin will make you feel that way. Can you sense the desperation of verse 3? The sense of hopelessness and loss and futility? Lord, if you mark iniquity, who will be able to stand the New Living Translation says it like this. Lord, if you kept a record of our sins, who would ever survive? Wow. I remember nights as a teen, especially so consumed with Holy Spirit conviction. 
not wanting to go to sleep because my heart was not right with God. How intense sin can be. The Lord took me to Psalms 38. And listen to this, verse 4 through 6. For my iniquities are gone over my head. They are a heavy burden that are too heavy for me. Hmm. My wounds stink, and I am corrupt because of my foolishness. I'm troubled. I'm bowed down greatly. I go mourning all the day long. Hear it. Justice clamoring. Let the sinner die. The hounds of hell howling. Cast him or her down into the fire where the, the, the fires lap around the flesh burning alive yet never destroying. The conscience is shrieking, let him perish. Nature itself is groaning beneath the weight. The earth is weary with carrying him. The sun is tired of shining upon the traitor. The air is sick with finding breath for one who only spends their days in disobedience and rebellion against God. Hell that was originally prepared for the devil and his angels is enlarging itself every moment of every day. It's bulging to overpopulation with souls of men and women that live in constant iniquity. And maybe that describes someone in this place. I heard a pastor say last week, he said, there's the number one concern. In fact, he told the story. It was Loran Livingston, Brother Fred, I don't know if you heard it, but he told the story that God didn't call him just to be a shepherd, but he called him to be a sheepdog. And he was referring to a, to a situation, I guess it happened out in Oregon, I believe it was, where there was a, a flock of sheep, and there was about 11 coyotes that came in and tried to attack the sheep. And the sheepdog fought Fought them off. Took on 11 coyotes. Killed eight of the coyotes. Sent three of the coyotes fleeing. And then the sheepdog disappeared. After three days, the people thought the sheepdog had been killed. But the sheepdog came back with half its ear missing. With cuts and, and wounds all over the side of its, uh, of its head. But when it showed back up at the flock, it showed up wagging its tail. <laughs> Why? Because the sheepdog had done his job. I'm telling you, when I stand before God, this sheepdog's going to make sure he's done his job. I'm not going to lead you to believe something that's not accurate. I'm not going to preach a cheap grace. God help us to understand that the enemy is trying to bring deceit even into the very elect. The number one word that pastor was concerned about is deceit. And I'm telling you, it's out there. 
And if half of you are missing next week because this is too hard, I'll just have to deal with the repercussions of it. But the truth of the matter is, I don't stand before you first. I stand before God Almighty. I stand before God with a calling on my life to preach the unsearchable riches of God's love and His grace and also His holiness and His judgment. Pastor, I've heard you loud and clear. I have to have an answer because my iniquity is over my head. It's more than I can handle. My sin has me bowed over and bent down. You're about to go down in quicksand, but you're about to tear the one thread hanging you over the lake of fire with an act of rebellion, but... The family has thrown their hands up. Your friends have turned away because of your addictions and enslavements. But the blackness of sin and damnation have about swallowed you but, but what, Pastor, tell me, give me hope. I'm terrified of dying in my sins and being lost without any hope for the life after this one. And you've painted such a sobering and gloomy picture this morning. And I tell you, verse 3 is terrifying. It ought to shake every one of us, believers and unbelievers alike, at the foundation of our soul. But thanks be unto God, it didn't stop at verse 3, but you moved to verse 4, and it's says there is forgiveness with the Lord. Hallelujah. If the Lord should mark iniquities who would be able to stand in his presence? We would all flee thinking the rocks are going to fall on us at any moment but praise God I stand to declare by the mercy and grace of God that there is still forgiveness with Jesus Christ. The rich red blood of Christ is still dripping upon the soul that will humble themselves and say God, I have to have deliverance in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, hallelujah. There is forgiveness with God. There is forgiveness with the Lord. Now others may not let you off their self-righteous, arrogant hook. But with the Lord, there is forgiveness of sins. Church people, I'm sure there's none here. They may look down their long nose at you, but there is forgiveness with Jesus. You don't have to be tortured a moment longer. Spouse may not forgive you. Your mom or daddy may hold it over your head. Church folks may walk the other way when they see you coming. But there is forgiveness with Jesus Christ. Brother Larry, I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. Carl Menninger, a famed psychiatrist once said that if he could convince patients in a psychiatric hospital that their sins were forgiven, 75% of them would walk out the same day. The emotional, spiritual, mental trauma of sin is beyond anything that we can fathom. 
oh, I feel the Holy Spirit. And some of us that are believers, we've been a little far removed from that feeling. But you find a forgiven man. <laughs> you find a forgiven man, Brother Ted, and he'll say, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits, who forgives all of my iniquities. You find a forgiven man, and you'll find a man that says he shall redeem Israel from all of his iniquities. You find a forgiven man, and you'll read in Acts 13, 38, that through this man Jesus Christ has preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. Ephesians 1, 7, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. There's a judgment. Every one of us. You may have never appeared in court for even a driving violation, but you will stand at the judgment bar of Christ. You'll stand at one or the other. This idea that there's going to be a long line of sinners and believers in the same line, that's not biblical. Nope, there's going to be one judgment for sinners and one judgment for believers. The judgment for sinners is called the great white throne judgment. And it is appointed unto man once to die, and after this, the judgment. For that unbeliever, for that backslider, for that one that thought grace was cheap and they could still live any old way that they wanted to, you'll be at that judgment. You'll be there. You had more world in you than you had Jesus, and you weren't trying to change it. You'll be at that judgment. Christians will show up at the judgment seat of Christ. A different judgment. We'll be glad to be there. And our rewards and our works will either be of fine jewelry and a great crowns or if we've been lazy our works will be wood hay and stubble. That's truth. My Lord, I feel the Spirit. If you stand before the Lord based upon the foundation of law and equity, you will come up short because your equity is inequity. Your equity is iniquity. Your equity is sin. The only reason that you'll make heaven your home is because you have said, Jesus, I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. He's washed you. He's cleansed you. And you live for Him. You bear your cross for Him. You, 
you deny yourself for him. You'll never have enough works to relieve you of one sin. The very best of your righteousness will be filthy rags. But thank God, there is forgiveness with the great king. Maybe you're here this morning and you'd say, man, I, I really want to unload this guilt of sin, this burden of iniquity. How can I do this? I, I'm going to be very deliberate. I'm going to make and take the time right now. Listen to the words of 1 John. Chapter 1, verses 8 through 10. Listen very carefully to what it says. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, Jesus is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make Jesus a liar, and his word is not in us. Man, there's not a greater writer in the New Testament on love than John, the apostle. He was called the beloved, but here he is speaking some very forthright truth. First, you must acknowledge your spiritual need. Yeah, got to do it. You got to just say, where, where, are you, where are you falling? You can't be on the line. You can't be on the fence. You're either in sin or in Christ. The second thing is, if you want to leave sin and come over to Christ, you must confess your sinful condition, and that begins the process of receiving your forgiveness. You have to say, I am a sinner, and Jesus, I need you to be my Savior, or I am a believer, but I have some things I need to confess and repent over to the Lord. Further, general confession is one thing, but confessing your sins specifically is also important. <laughs> to only confess sins in general keeps you from getting to the root of that issue in your life. Lust is a sin. Gossip is a sin. Jealousy is a sin. Greed is a sin. Lying is a sin. The list of sins are found in the Scripture. So what do you do? You confess your known sins. And you repent over your, even your unknown sins. Jesus, who is perfectly holy, He is just and free to forgive and restore you to fellowship because of His work on Calvary. But you have to Confess your sins. You, you cannot justify yourself. Somebody, somebody in this room is saying right now, that preacher is too narrow-minded. Somebody's saying it right here, right now. I sense it in my spirit. You're, too, you're being too legalistic. You're being too narrow-minded. And I'll go somewhere else where I can continue to live the way I want and still call myself a believer. You're deceived, friend. You're watching online. 
and you're thinking that guy is too narrow-minded and I won't listen to him again. That's fine. But you're going to hear at this moment, unless you hit the click button, you are deceived. You cannot explain your sins away. You cannot simply apologize half-heartedly. You cannot deflect the blame game. If you think for a moment that you're an alcoholic and it's because your mom and daddy was an alcoholic and you think that's going to wash before the Lord, you are incorrect. Kind of felt that bounce back. Here's the truth. If any man is in in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. It doesn't matter what kind of upbringing you had. When you stand before the Lord, you cannot blame it on anyone but yourself. You must come broken and contrite. In Isaiah, he said, I am the high and the lofty one that inhabits eternity, but I will dwell with those who are of a broken and a contrite spirit. Forgiveness. Forgiveness isn't given to the unconfessing. Forgiveness is not granted to the apathetic. You have to pattern your heart after Psalms 51. Create in me a clean heart. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. And cleanse me from my sin. I acknowledge my sin. It is ever before me. See, the thing about apathetic people... They have no love for God and they have no hatred for sin. And so they're in a very dangerous place. I'm getting ready to close. But this is who forgiveness is given to. Tell you right now, from the Word of God. Forgiveness is given to those who have a very deep sense of sin in their life. Forgiveness is given to those who cry unto the Lord. Forgiveness is given to those who know that God's judgment is right and their condemnation is just. Forgiveness is given to those who know this, listen to this, that God's love for them is so much deeper than his displeasure with their sin. Forgiveness is given to those who cast their faith in that kind of love. If he marks iniquity... Who shall stand? The Lord has disappointed me with me right now. If I died today, my iniquity would be what he sees first. Because I have unconfessed sin and addiction and enslavement in my life. But the Lord says, you know, my love for you is so much deeper than my displeasure with you at this moment. Someone needs to unload some sin today, some guilt with a broken heart. Not to me. I mean, if you feel that you need to confess to someone, that's certainly biblical as well, but, but not before you come to Jesus, your high priest, who's also the lamb who's shed blood 
will be what cleanses you. And can, can I just tell you this right now? Because I, I sense God is stirring in some hearts. The conviction you feel this moment is out of his abundant love for you. It is. He's holy. He's perfect. He's, he's righteous. He's just. He's not mad at you. He loves you with an everlasting love. Altar invitation is going to be a tad bit different. But I've asked for a song. It's a fairly new song that connects with an old song. It's simple. But while this song is being played, I'd like for you to close your eyes. And while this song is being played, if the Lord leads you, I want you to just get up from where you are and I want you to just come to the altar and kneel or stand. This is a time between you and Jesus. When the whole wide world feels crazy Like it's ripping at the seams and the lies keep growing louder With chaos threatening When the weight upon my shoulders Is too much for my soul Won't you help me to remember Those words from long ago Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to Him belong, they are weak, but He is strong. Is there anyone who needs to come and pray? When I look into the Is a million imperfections just staring back at me. Do you need to come? When I feel like I'm between you and God. over 
All the tears are gonna end I'll cross over that river I'll sing it once again Jesus loves me This I know For the Bible tells me so Little ones to him belong They are weak but he is strong Yes, Jesus loves me Yes, Jesus loves me Yes, Jesus loves me He loves me Every head bowed and every eye closed. When a precious 92-year-old woman of God with a walking stick will come and will kneel at this altar, one of the most righteous people I've ever met. Then I know there's got to be other hearts that God is speaking to. Do not walk out of here in your own strength and in your own works. Pastor, you just don't know the struggles that I have. I don't. But I know who can forgive you, and I know who can give you the victory over whatever it is that keeps tripping you up. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. presence, your holy, holy presence. You are holy. You are pure. You are righteous, Lord. Heaven and earth flees from your presence. Why you choose a speck of sand such as myself to be your child? I don't know, but I'm so glad you did. And I know that sometimes I let you down and sometimes I disappoint you. I say something or think something. I do something or carry myself in such a way that is not Christ-like. And I know sometimes you're disappointed. However, Your disappointment in me is so shallow compared to your love for me. Your love is so deep. Your fountain is flowing deep and wide. And you love me with an everlasting love. 
And I'm thankful that when I got up this morning, that a new dose of mercy was given to me to face the day. <laughs> Lord, I may blow it this week. I won't try to. I won't be careless, but invariably I'm going to say something or think something or do something or I'm going I'm to carry myself in such a way that's not Christ-like, even but for a fleeting moment. And that may happen on Tuesday, but on Wednesday when I get up, your compassions, they do not fail. 